0: Welcome to the media ministry of Crossroads Church Aspen. To learn more about Crossroads, visit our website at ccaspen.com. We hope you enjoyed this message by Pastor Steve Woodrow. Well, thank you all for being here. If you... Haven't joined us, we're actually going to. uh, I'm going to conclude our Gathering Together series this morning. And um, and then in in a week or so, we're going to start our new series that will take us through the summer um, called Are You Ready? And I just encourage you to get ready for that series. Uh, We're going to be looking at the Olivet Discourse, which is in Matthew chapter 24. It's Jesus' words about the end, what we should be ready for. And then we'll move from there to the first couple chapters of, uh, first three chapters of Revelation where um, we look at these letters that Jesus wrote right to, well, John wrote, but Jesus gave the Revelation to John right to the church. And uh, things that we need to heed and are absolutely critical for especially uh, us right now um, in many, many ways. So we'll be diving into that a couple weeks. This morning, though, as we conclude this, you know, we've been looking at the book of Acts and kind of stepping into the church and looking at uh, the, this idea of the importance of gathering together. What is ecclesia, which is the Greek word for church, gathered body, and uh, what, just how important it is for us to be connected and, and gathered together and looking at different aspects of that. We're gonna look at one verse this morning. So if you have your Bibles, I think I also have it up on the screen. We're gonna be in Acts chapter 9, verse 31. Um, and just look at one verse as we conclude this series. Um, and I have really um, kind of one statement that I, I hope that you will take, take with this verse and think about this week. But this morning we're going to look at this idea of getting the house in order. Getting the house in order. And um, in the statement that uh, I, I want us to uh, really think deeply about, and we'll let um, this verse lead us the way, is this idea when the house is in order his presence takes over. When the house is in order, his presence takes over. Now, um, here's what's important, is that we think about this idea of house, is the idea of house is, there's three different aspects to this. The scripture speaks about our body being a house, a residence, that God, when we're saved, the Holy Spirit comes and takes up residence. The second kind of house is our family, the house that the family that we, uh, we live in uh, come from, our house, um, where our family lives. And the third kind of house that in the scripture is the house of God. It's the church. It's, it's where we come together as a larger family of God and encourage each other. And so uh, what I want you to, to think about this week and, and, and this what kind of brings this whole series together is all three of those. Are integrated more powerfully than we'd ever realize and as we work on one is that we should think of those intimately connected so jesus came to save us right our house as such and to fill us with his holy spirit and to bring alive everything we created uh, he created us to live and experience which we are creating the image of god right to reflect his glory and that image, that process of, of salvation coming to relationship with, with, uh, with Jesus should impact our house, our physical house, right? Our, our family. That should set the rules of the house. That should be the spirit of the house. That should be the important thing. And, and then that should be connected to the larger body. We keep encouraged in one another uh, as we bring our families and ourselves, right, to church. Remember Through the New Testament, it says in Romans chapter 12 that we're to bring a living sacrifice. We're to bring our house into the presence of God as a sacrifice of praise to him, to worship him, right? To have our house put back into order, right? Into order because ultimately God's purpose for our house in creation is he wants to dwell with us. And we see all through the scripture from the beginning to the end, this growing revelation of God's saving work to show us how much he loves us and how he wants to dwell in us, right, and redeem us and bring his life, right, alive inside of us. So let me just uh, point out a couple um, things here on this statement for us to think about. When the house is in order, his presence takes over. Now we need to, to, to make sure we get something right here. It is absolutely impossible to get the house, any of those three houses, my body, my family, or the church in order Um, ourselves and then and this comes back to being saved what it is to have a, a living relationship with God is is we can't get the house in order good enough to be saved now this is very critical theology this is gospel 101 Christianity right is that we're to come to Jesus as we are and I think a lot of us have grown up and there's just this natural tendency to think, look, I, I, I can't come to church or, or, um, I, or I'm going to go the other way. I'm just not going to worry about my house. I'm going to live as I want to live. And we can't get this house in order. We have to come. Jesus invites anyone into fellowship, into a saving relationship with him. Um, we come as we are. And you know what? Every one of us has a house that has a lot of mess, a lot of hidden closets, a lot of history, a lot of just mess, right? Just junk that, boy, we don't know what to do with, but it, it shames us, we're guilty, we're, we feel held back, whatever it is. And this is the beauty of the gospel, is he says, come as you are. Not a, there's not enough religion, there's not enough good works, there's not enough whatever it is to do to get this house, to get my life in order so that I can please God. Now, this is breakthrough stuff. This is the difference between religion, right, in the sense of I'm defining religion here as a set of rules to, right, to please God, to make it to heaven as such. And every path on the face of the earth is based on that premise is you've got to get your house in order that God might accept you, right? You have to work harder. You've got to, to, right, try to be holy yourself. That is not the gospel. The gospel says that we are incapable of doing that. Outside of the grace of God. And so it this is what the, the abundant life that it begins is when we receive that grace. We come to him as we are, or we come to him with all of our junk, with all of our questions, with all of our doubt, with all of that stuff, and he saves us. And he comes in when we receive him and acknowledge who he is. This is the this radical dynamic of salvation, of the love of God, is that he comes to us. It just requires humility. It requires repentance. Saying, God, I need you. I can't, I can't get this thing in order. Uh, my life is a mess. And God, I, I, I see the truth of your word of what you promise. I want that. And then this is where grace takes over. And at that moment, the spirit of God comes in. And guess what? Now the spirit of God re- starts residing inside our soul And here's the powerful thing that begins is God starts his renovating work inside our heart, inside our life by the spirit of God. He starts changing us from the inside out. Now here's where we also can go off track is at this point also, and this is kind of the American way, is that we still kind of live under the, the saving aspect. We come with our mess, and God will forgive us, and we think, oh, I can go live however I want, and we, and we think, oh, God will just forgive me. There's some truth to that, but the, the point of Scripture is he saves us, what? To make us holy. He saves us to radically change us. And when he puts his spirit inside us, he expects us to depend on his spirit. Now now we have his presence. Now we're in relationship with him and can call upon him. He's done everything. the scripture, promise after promise, it says he's given us everything we need for life and godliness. And now we are responsible to get this house in order. And not just this house, but my house right, my family, and to realize I can't do this. I mean, anybody have some some family dynamics going on or lived up? We all do. There's no perfect families. Again, we bring this to God. And folks, the encouragement here is, is that it takes one person in a generation, a large family, it takes one person who comes to faith and is filled with the Spirit and starts praying to be a radical change element to bring grace and power and change into a whole family structure. That's the power of the gospel, right, to change um, those things. And and the passage we're going to look at, the background here, Leading up chapter 9, as we've been through Pentecost, the birth of the church, the radical revival, tens of thousands of people coming to faith, being baptized in the uh, baptismals outside of the temple courts, and uh, in the preaching expansion of the gospel, we see a little pressure and persecution, and the church has expanded out. Philip and others have gone out with the word of God to the surrounding regions, out to Samaria and other places, and that persecution was sparked really by one man who was Saul. Right who um, he just he was at the, the the tip of the spear on the persecution of the church, and he just ravaged it, says the church and who do you think was number one on the prayer list for the early church? right It was Paul, and as you know, we come to chapter nine if you We'll read the rest of uh, the beginning of chapter nine we see paul 's conversion he 's on his way to damascus to to round up and uh, imprison more Christians just to bust into their home churches and take them and put them in prison and Jesus meets him on the road and Jesus radically saves turns his life around to be the, the apostle unto the Gentiles and to the rest of the world right at that at that time and We see here, we come to chapter, the end of chapter 9, in this this wonderful summary passage that Luke um, uh, describes. I think I have it on the screen. Here we go. And he describes it this way. So the church now, this is after Paul, Saul, has been converted. He's been saved. And, uh, And and he's ministering immediately in Damascus. He's visited the apostles in Jerusalem. The church is into a new season. And it defines this season this way. So the church throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and was being built up. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. Folks, what an amazing picture of a healthy church, of a church that was in order. And I just want us to break down each of these uh, pieces uh, here uh, this morning to talk about this idea of, wow, Well, what does a healthy church, what does it look like to have the house, the, the church, in order? And then we'll spin off of that when it looks like, uh, uh, what does this mean for my house, my family? What does this mean for my house, my, my body? This, this uh, dwelling of God that he is redeemed. And folks, remember, when he saves, he saves your entire being. It's not just your soul, it's not just some spiritual experience, Is the hope of Christianity is the power over death, the resurrection of your body. He will just like Jesus' body, your body will be resurrected. You will be made whole as God intended you to be. That is the hope of Christianity that is the promise, right, of God to completely redeem. And he will do the same thing with this earth, is that he will take it through a time of trial and, and testing as the time comes in. All of what we're seeing here, Corona, all the rest of this stuff, these are birth pains and we're going to talk about this in this next series these are signs to us wildfires heat whatever it might be these are global warming whatever you want to throw out there these are birth pains these should be wake-up calls to the world that there is a god who is waiting on his people to turn to him and these are all gracious endeavors to try to wake up people's souls to realize right, that we need God. We need a Savior, and we need to look uh, and in, be in pursuit right, of truth and, and to realize the cost that has uh, been put upon this world because of our sin and the ramifications of that throughout the nations, throughout history, and that Jesus is the only one who's come with the solution right, uh, for, for that um, great problem here. So this idea of of the house, right, being ready, being in order. and, And folks, just the integration of these things, and I think we don't think holistically. You have to understand, in the Bible, a biblical worldview, a Christian worldview was holistic, everything. It wasn't compartmentalized. And folks, we have to break that down. We as Westerners think so compartmentally, Right? Church is just one piece of of my life, one compartment. My spirituality is one compartment. My this over here, this over here. That is not a healthy perspective. The biblical perspective, when he saves, he saves everything and he brings integration right, to everything, how we think about everything. And this is just a part of it, how we think about uh, the house as such, the body, our own physical body connected to our our family body, connected to the church body, and each of those impact one another. How I treat this physical body is going to have a radical impact upon my family's house. Now, we all know that. Right, We all know we've, we've experienced the traumas of when somebody treats this body in an unholy way, in a destructive way, it wreaks radical generational trauma upon the entire house, right? And the same thing in a church, right? If a church has dysfunction in it, right, and, and brings harsh spiritual trauma into people's lives, it just, it, right, it messes up the, messes up the wholeness, the beauty of what God wants to do. Now, here, here's the beautiful thing just of God's grace is with all my mess, He I come to him as I am. He saves me, he redeems me, starts me on this journey That I, and, and that journey, folks, cannot be whole unless it's connected to, right, The larger house of God, the larger family of God, because the larger family of God should be the house that embraces me, disciples me, sets me on the course of what God has called me to do. And in turn, that should overflow to my house And my family that I live in. This is how God redeems and how He multiplies and and brings beauty and restoration right to the falling world. Because uh, families are a mess, right? Um, And and lives are a mess. And the gospel moves in redeeming those messes, bringing them back into the house of God to restore and strengthen them so that they might right be healthy and whole. It's part of our mission statement, right? To uh, build. Healthy people and families and churches. That's the first part of our mission statement. And folks, that is just tied to the very biblical perspective of God's redeeming work. Those three are integrated. The individual, the family, and the church. And they must all work right together. I can't grow and be whole and healthy and have the house in order in one area and be disconnected, fragmented right from the other areas. It all right works together. So, Let's dive in on this, in this idea of, hey, when the house is in order, God's presence takes over. Now, we've talked about the first part of that, when the house is in order. And again, only God can save us and start that process where we begin. But once He saves us, once we know Jesus, and once we start growing in His Word, we call upon Him and His power, right, to take hold of these promises in our life. That's spiritual growth. That takes effort, it takes great zeal and discipline and effort to do that not earning not earning his grace and his salvation but effort is the result of grace and unfortunately we've lived under a cheap grace that just continues this idea right that oh god's gonna i don't have to put forth any effort no because of the great love of god how much effort should we get because of what jesus has done for me right? there's no limit Right, as we see in the scripture, why Paul says to live as Christ. In other words, I, I, every, all I have, God, is, is for you. That's where we need to get. And that's the part of spiritual growth and discipleship that we all right, need to be a, a part of. But this idea of, I man, when the house is in order, his presence takes over. What do we mean by that? Where we see that in scripture? Now, I don't have time to go back from the, old, all the, the entirety of scripture, but I just challenge you to test that. Go back to the Old Testament. When did the glory and the presence of God hit the tabernacle, right, in, in, with Moses and the children of Israel? When did it hit Solomon's temple? It didn't come. The presence of God did not hit until what? Until the house was in order to the detail of how God commanded it to be created. And that principle, folks, flows all through the Old Testament, right, and into the New Testament. It is true for a church body. When that church is in order, man, it, 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 it is ready to host the presence of God among it in a powerful, manifest way. When when my life is in order, and again, we're not talking about perfection here, but we're talking about one of the main things of primarily, here's what's important, my heart. God, I want this house to please you. I, I give this as a living sacrifice to you. Lord, get this house right with you. Man, this is when the Spirit, this is when we start to experience this amazing idea of the fellowship of the Holy Spirit right inside our, uh, inside our soul. All the way to the end and we'll look at this in the next series, Revelation 3.20 and Jesus says to the church on Laodicea, the lukewarm church right, which is, I, I think that is the primary church that defines the American church today, right? You're, you're neither hot nor cold, Jesus says. Uh-uh, you're about to be spit out. You're lukewarm. And at the end, Jesus in his love and his mercy he says, look, I'm knocking at the door, church, of your house. And this can be applied to all three arenas. Our family's door, the door of my heart, and the door of the church. I'm knocking at that door. Who will let me in? I want, I desire, God's saying to us, I desire to come in. I want to dine with you. I want to bring the abundance of God inside your soul. I'm ready to come in there. But who's going to open the door? And this is the idea of get the house in order that his presence may take over. And it really comes down to our motive. What do we desire? Who's ruling this house? Who's ruling this house? Who's setting the tone for our physical house? Right? What is it? What is the motive of a What do I want? What do I desire? What do I intend to do? Do I really want to please him? Do I really take him? Do I have faith to believe him at his word? And Lord, if you say it, I'm going to take hold of it. Help me get my house in order. I need you, God. I can't do this right without you, okay? So when the house is in order, his presence takes over, and we could take this into Revelation to the very end, right? And he calls us. There's a discipline. There's an effort he calls us to in those three arenas, right, to step into, and that's why we need each other. That's why we need the church. That's why we need to gather together to encourage, and this is what we're going to see here. It says, so the church... After all this is going on, this is just one of these little summary statements. It's a beautiful little picture of the church, and this is what we should be uh, seeking. And, and Now, this is not a, a, a summary or an uh, exhaustive. There's many other things that we've looked at in the book of Acts that should define a healthy church and, and a healthy life. But this is a wonderful summary, right? And it says this, so the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria, so now the church is spread out from Jerusalem. It has been obedient, right, to the call that Jesus gave them to be missional, to go and share the good news. And it first defines as it had peace, that the church had peace. And so let me just, now, now what that specifically is dealing with is the church had peace. It wasn't, they didn't have to worry about somebody knocking at the door in the middle of the night and putting the entire family, as we read about, in chains and hauling you off to prison. Now, folks, remember, many of our brothers and sisters today in China, Iraq, many other places um, uh, today, they live under that reality, but we don't. We're living under a peace, folks, so far, right, we can gather here without the fear, right, a complete peace to worship God as often as we want, in public as we want, to share his name as much as we want, without any persecution, and folks, I, I, throughout history and even right now, more are being persecuted for that than ever before. And so I think we take that for granted. Matter of fact, I know I do. That's peace. So that's specifically what this is talking about is, man, the church, there was a sense of peace. Is <laughs> Boy, there's a freedom to expand and invite people over and have home church and, and gather in the, in the larger squares and rejoice in what God was doing. But let's take this idea of the peace of God down to the three spheres we're talking about. And let's just get real personal. Right? And there was peace. It, the, the idea that the church experienced peace, it means in all those spheres, as a whole church when it gathered, it was at peace in the sense that it didn't have to, as I said, worry about persecution or those things. But even more, there was a peace, the shalom of God that came upon households and individuals. They understood that they were at peace with God. And folks, that's what the, the gospel says it does. It takes away fear, and it brings the peace of God, knowing when we know we know Jesus, when we know he's died for us, when we know we can stand before God and and not uh, boast about anything, any religious efforts that we've done, it's solely based on his grace and his grace alone that we're able to stand before him. There is a peace that comes over us, and it's one of the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, right? Patience, kindness, goodness, And and that's the question we have to ask ourselves. How are we working towards peace? And folks, I don't know about you, but this last year, boy, I I didn't handle the peace thing very well. Right? At multiple levels. And um, to get the house in order. Right? We need to really, uh, let's expand that. Peace being one of the fruit of the Spirit. But man, is there a desire? Is there an experience of the fruit of the Spirit? Is there peace genuine? And let's start with peace with God. A true sense of knowing him and trusting him and believing in him that he's got it all. I'm at peace with him. No matter what happens to me, I'm at peace with him. No matter what happens to our nation and this culture, I'm at peace with him. And folks, once that happens individually, right, in our lives, then what happens is peace starts to move in the body. Now, let me just ask you, um, anybody ever uh, had a situation in their home, in their family, where there was a lack of peace? Yeah, I, I hope. Uh, if you haven't, please, I don't need to talk to you, right? Um, but you know what it feels like, don't you? You know, how to, how, you know, are you with me? Do you understand what it's like in your home, in your family, where you feel like there's forces pulling you apart? When you feel like it's just warfare, you can't even put your finger on, but you feel there's just a, a presence, and you just there's just a, a lack of peace, and it's just strife and it's problem, and you feel like things are just pulling you apart. Folks, that's the enemy's work. He's come to kill, steal, and destroy. Jesus has come to what? To bring life and bring it abundantly and to bring peace into those situations. And those are to be integrated, my home, my life, this place, my heart. And so if I'm not experiencing, if there's this this thing in my home, then the first thing I need to do is step back and go, all right, Lord, what's going on right here? What's going on? We've got to get right here, and then I need to bring that. And, folks, you look at the Gospels, and, again, we don't have time for this, but look how many times, right, when Jesus sent them out, he says, take peace with you. And when you enter a home, what? What? With the peace under which you should be a messenger of peace. So believers, this is one of your, uh, of your missions of following Jesus' way is to be a person of peace and to step into a work situation, step into a friendship situation, step into a, relig- or a relational situation and bring the peace of God. It is a real presence. It's a real powerful thing. The peace of God. And so we see... Man, the church—it was experiencing this peace, and and and, folks, do do have you tasted that? Do you know something of the peace of God, and when it just starts washing over your household, even if your household was just a mess and had been just just ravaged with whatever is the bit? Boy, have you experienced the peace in your own soul, in your own life, the peace of God, and then in a church, and folks, we gather to integrate all those things, to encourage one another. Because let me tell you, right now, there's households, there's relationships. There's a lot of us in here dealing with things that are extreme, big things that the peace of God is not there. And so we are to pray, we are to encourage. This is a time to build up one another right, with the hope of God to pray for each other, to walk with each other as we go through those times of, of war. whether it's internal or whether it's in our physical home. That's the part of redemption. That's the family of God at work being gathered together for these things. So they had peace, and they were being built up. Now, this is the same terminology. go to Ephesians 4, it says that um, these gifted people, the spiritual gifts were given to the church to to, uh, build up, the church, to build up each other. And, and all of Paul's language in 1 Corinthians is that when we gather together, we're to focus on how can we build each other up, right, in, in, uh, in the faith. And uh, I would just say this, folks, we are either being discipled by the world or we're being discipled by the word. There is no gray area. i just gonna lay it out. We're either being discipled by the world or we're being discipled by the word of God. And I plead with you. We we in America today are a people who we we proclaim to be Christ followers, but we denounce the importance of discipleship. We we think we can follow Jesus faithfully without submitting to discipleship a small group of men and a small group of women who challenge and teach each other how to live this life, how to get the house in order. That's discipleship is learning, right, helping others who are more mature to follow, line their life up with the word of God, to understand the word of God, to be discipled by the word because every day you are being hammered, your children are being hammered with the world and the world has nothing, nothing good of lasting quality for you. And and the word of God says very clearly, we either, right, to be friends with the world is to be what? Enemies with God. Wow, where do we take that serious? And I'm telling you, if we're not in discipled, showing great effort, discipleship of small groups like Jesus and his disciples learning to live by the word of God, the world will take over. Anybody experience that? Again, I hope everybody, right? Have you ever gone through a season where, you know what, you, just, you weren't hungry for the Word, you, were, you just kind of drifted from church, you kind of drifted from being in fellowship with people where you challenge each other to get up early and get in the Word of God together, pray with each other, and learn, have someone teach you the ways of God and the will of God and the works of God for your life? Man, when you have a season, when it's dry like that, I'm telling you, the world takes over, and it takes over quick, and right now, 70%, at least, of people in America who claim to be Christians, they are nowhere close to a biblical worldview. They're living, they've been discipled by the world, and tragically, many of our young folks, they are being discipled and have been indoctrinated with the world. Not the life-giving promises of God. And folks, just attending church isn't going to do it. That's necessary to encourage each other. That's where we, 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 ha- we get together, we worship, and we encourage each other. But it's, it's that small. It's discipleship. It's what Jesus did with the 12. It's getting with somebody who's a little further down the line to just say, hey, I need help me follow Jesus. Help me learn to bring these so that the world doesn't take over. Right? Does that make sense? We're to build up each other. Build up each other. And so I think we just have to ask ourselves who are you building up? Who am I building up? And who's building me up? Are your friendships of the quality of faith friendships where, in the time together, your faith is built up, or is there more time actually talking about the things of the world? That's a fine line, folks those are the deep questions we have to right wrestle with so they're building each other up there was a sense of of a hunger for God a hunger to learn the things of God right over the things of the world and it says walking in the fear of the Lord wow okay now I'm going to dive a little deep here hope you're hanging with me um, on this uh, I think we could all agree, again, every statistic, there is very little reverence. There's very little fear of God today. I'm just going to speak in our context, in our culture. It's lost. Um, could be a lot of reasons for that, but I, I, but the bigger issue is how do we restore that? How do you get the healthy fear of God in your life? Believe it? Yeah, all that. I, so... This is what the, the, this is what we have to wrestle with is where is that sense of and 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 it's even understanding because a lot of people that idea the fear of the Lord is it's uncomfortable, isn't it? Because most people are like, what? We're not to fear him, he's dad, and 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 but over and over again the scripture, no, you're to fear him. I'm to fear him. He's holy, he's perfect, he disciplines his children for their good because he wants you to be holy, he wants me to be holy, like he's holy. Because he wants to pour out his blessings. And so when we go sideways like the prodigal and everything, guess what? God does not sit back. When a nation goes sideways, God does not sit back and, oh, no, he brings his hard discipline into his children. He brings his wrath, his judgment into those who reject him. And there's no way around spinning that any, way, any different way that's consistent from the beginning, right? Because he's a holy good god you can't be a good god unless what you're just and so this idea of the, of the fear is that the church they walked and this word for walking is beautiful it's the same word used for sending out right uh philip to into mission and, and paul and others it's uh, the idea of living and walking in obedience to god and so how do we restore a healthy fear of god i'm not talking about a, a guilt remember There's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus, Romans 8.1. There is no guilt. He's taken that, but there should be a growing sense of reverence for God, his presence. In other words, when the house is in order, his presence takes over. His presence cannot take over unless there's what? Unless the house, there's reverence for who he is. Unless there's a growing sense of desiring to please God more than myself or the world. Now that alone is just a simple idea of is that, do I, am I growing in that sense of I want to please God more than I do the world? Or am I living the pressures of the world and society, right? And what the world says, right, conform my thinking, or is it the word of God? And folks, I'm telling you, we're in a big battle right now on many, many, many issues right now where because the discipleship of the word is not taking hold, you have multiple believers, right, who claim to be Christians, right, who are out there living and upholding the ideas of the world rather than the ideas of God. And God does not sit by, right, when his children put in his face, right, and hold to something that is an abomination that is unholy, that is an affront to the purity and beauty of God. God does not sit around and play games with that. He's a holy God. And there should be a sense of reverence. And folks, I'm telling you, it's the only way I can get a a true understanding of the magnitude of sin in my life, what I was saved from, and the magnitude of how that sin will rip me apart and keep me from the promises of God. I need some fear in my life to realize I stand before a holy God, and yes, that does help me in my reverence to understand, Lord, help me, Holy Spirit, I want to be holy like you, right? reverence is a sin is it, we see all of the scripture God hates i use that word he hates sin it is contrary to who he is and his plans and his blessings and until his people get his heart for hating sin reverence can never be restored now let me deep dive here a little bit maybe you thought that was deep dive um Ah, the house. In Matthew 12, Jesus speaks about our body. And folks, he says that you can clean this house. You as, you, we can use all kinds of, of great uh, you know, technology and, and all kinds of things to clean this, you know, human things to clean this house. But he says this he says, you can clean, do everything humanly possible. But you know what? It is that if that house is not taken over, if the presence of God doesn't come and fill that, right, is that, you know what it says? It says that other spirits, spirits of the world, evil spirits will come and they see and they'll take residence. And, um, and we see that Jesus is the strong man. And i just give you something. This shows how far off the biblical worldview we as Americans are. We think on a material plane, but do you realize you are primarily spirit? God himself is what? Spirit. And he wants worshipers who worship in spirit and truth, right? And so, folks, the, here's, the, here's the restoration of fear is to realize, folks, if this house is in order, it's not just an intellectual thing that the world will take over. It's this house is vulnerable to evil beings, spirits. This is why Jesus' primary ministry was deliverance delivering people from, they had exposed their mind and their body, their house, to the evil spiritual world. We live in a spiritual realm, and we need to open up to that. And those evil spirits bring disease, they bring depression, they bring all kinds of affliction and addiction and every other kind of thing. And uh, we'll get into that in a series ahead, in in the details of that. But folks, that is what Jesus came to redeem. And there has to be a reverence for watch out for your house. Right? Derek, y'all can come on up. Last one here is um, two more is the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Gang, this is a beautiful word of the work of the Holy Spirit. As the church was experiencing the manifest presence. And this word comfort is also the word that means exhort, right? is that it was a group of people that came together and their manifest presence of God was among them. They longed to experience the move of the Spirit, redeeming, delivering, setting people free from, from things that had them in bondage that we just talked about, the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And finally, it says that they were multiplying. And folks, I don't know, I think I mentioned it last week, but what happened this last year? Did the church in America multiply in a healthy way? The church, when the house is in order and God's presence takes over, it multiplies individually and church planting and, and expanding because it's good news. It's the news that everybody needs to hear, right? Is to be that light. Uh, to, is there, the, the, Jesus is the solution to everything. Everything. And He's the name that we should be exalting, right? So, Father, we thank you this morning, Lord, for your word. And, Father, we, um, I know I come to you, Lord, and Father, I need, to, I need you to get this house right, Lord. And so easy, Lord, to just get, man, to get sideways, to get in a funk, to, Lord, just bring your peace. Only you, Lord, can get this house in order, holy. But you require me, Lord, to be disciplined, to show effort, but not on my own, Lord. We have you. I have your power that raised Jesus from the dead. And, Lord, I pray your spirit would move, God. Father, I pray for anybody watching, anybody in here, Lord, that, um, Father, they're at that first stage. They don't know you. They don't have confidence in you, Lord. They've been trying. Maybe they've been trying religious efforts, been trying to get it right, trying to get the house in order on their own efforts. Lord, that's, that ends in this religious, spiritual delusion, Lord. Save them, Lord. Let them reach out and grab you, Jesus. Your awesome grace your amazing grace Lord for all of us that do claim your name who know you Lord father let us be people of faith serious about salvation Lord deal with us now Holy Spirit about the effort we're showing towards getting this house in order and Lord integrate and Holy Spirit right now in these last few minutes I pray you'll do your work you'll come and move among us God heal families God Bring hope where there wasn't a hope. God, I pray that your spirit would move and redeem and deliver, Lord. Just bring your freedom. Bring your joy. Bring your gospel, Lord, into people's lives. And, Lord, do it in the church here. Bring your peace, Lord. Expand, Lord. I pray for the church in America, Lord. Renew us. Revive us, God.